Expanse Fancast. Nemi Matt, Nemim Katie. We're here to talk episode nine, Winnipesaki. Yeah. Katie, wasn't it nice to have a good episode this week? I mean, could you say it was good or was it just better than last week, right? You know, I will take, I'll take, I'll, what's this? We're talking like an Avicerala and Amos and Clarissa heavy episode. This is perfect. And this is, I think, a really great example of like what happens when you have a strong female character that grieves and she doesn't come across like a crying baby. Okay, yes. Good point. I get I mean I, I guess it's still like there wasn't as much Naomi crying, but the point is they were still Naomi crying, even after they pointed out the water scarcity situation, which just made me that much angrier. <laughs> So anyway, that's fine. That's fine. It's the player haters ball. Um, forever and what, what what did you like about this episode? What positive things? Let's start off with a compliment sandwich. What <laughs> things about this episode did you like? Um, I did like the characterization and more like further development of Eric as a character. Yes. Um, second hard second. I wrote that down in my notes. Um, uh, I do think he's a really intriguing character, even though you really kind of only get like his deal in some of the novellas or like offshoots. So he's not even like in the main book series, but I still think he's an intriguing character and someone whose motives aren't always entirely known. Um, So I thought that was interesting. And I kind of liked the characterization they got. Um, I really appreciated some of the representation that like, uh, like Hutch is like, I got big, I got big, uh, like she fucking ruled. Yeah. she? I don't know. They, yep, I don't know sure. if they ever gendered them. So I thought that was interesting. It's like, cool, we can have more of these characters uh, in the books where like gender isn't even important. You could be agender, bigender. Um, like, you don't even need to point that out. And I think that uh, that's an interesting thing. Um, to, like, like we f- Have we finally progressed enough as a society to move beyond uh, the, the gender? Um hmm. So that's interesting, um, but actually I'm not even sure. I, I was trying to pay attention to like the pronouns and I didn't see them. I thought actually that was cool um, because, you know, is what are Hutch's pronouns? It doesn't matter. Hutch is good with a gun. Yeah. That's the only important thing to this character. So uh, and that's cool. they and Amos bro down as they fucking blast all these pink water uh, mercenaries. Yeah. Which I have to say, I, I really enjoy this like slight touch from the authors. I think it's in the books too. That pink water is this blend of like Pinkertons uh-huh. and black water. I just love that little detail of like the two most evil security agencies in the future combine into becoming one private massive security company. That you want to see incinerated. So we did get that and I did appreciate that. Um I like I really liked the line about like this is the most pathetic shakedown I've ever seen. Like um I thought that was funny. I thought that was like it had some levity. It was so good to see Eric doing things. Like, that was the nice part. Is like, before he had to sort of, like, glower at Amos, and now he actually got to do things. And right, say like, things, interact with people. Well, it was good to, like, have that, like, shown to some degree. Because, like, this is supposed to be, like, essentially some underground boss of, of Baltimore. So it's like, 
okay, how did he get there? Because like from here, he doesn't seem that intimidating. Right. And his thing is like, you know, his, he has a good command of situations uh, rather than like brute force, which I think shows like kind of like how he, he rose to that position uh, in this sort of like underworld mafia, whatever you want to call it. Um, Well, and I think like there's also the relations like we'll, we can stick with the Winnipesaukee kind of storyline, how Hutch also is like, Hey Amos, thanks for not killing my guys. Like, it was nice of you to not like dick wave with them and kind of keep that on the DL because I know exactly what you could do. Yeah. And like, <laughs> it's such a cool little way to like introduce Hutch as a character who's like very smart and savvy by having her or them pick up immediately on all the sort of dynamics of what's going on there. Like, as a way to like introduce characters quickly and make us invested in them and, and see how much value or worth they have. It was just a, a, I think, a very concise, short way of doing that. Yeah. Other than that, I'm trying to remember like what else happened this episode. It's sad because I watched it earlier today. Um, the main storylines, as I recall, I have my notes here, is the drummer storyline, Abbasarala right. storyline, and then Winnipesaki storyline. And the 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 drummer storyline is sort of like close to pulling. It's clear that next episode will happen where they pull together the James Holden storyline, the Naomi storyline, the Bobby and Alex storyline. And everything all into like one little package. And that'll be like, you know, the end of the season for for all of us. That's right. We had the Ava Sorella. You know, I I don't think she's beyond giving speeches. I guess I always, in my mind, like in, in my head canon, she's just always <laughs> constantly acerbic. Like, empathetic, yes, she gets it. But she also strikes me as someone who just doesn't have the time for flowery, flowery, yeah, flowery language. Yeah. Um, she's not that type of speech giver. She's like not the type to blow smoke up anyone's ass. Uh, granted, like, yeah, if my like husband of many decades died, um, I don't know where I would be mentally. So you're saying that you didn't find her speech quite like it didn't fit quite right with you. I mean, for me, like I said, I, I don't think it was outside of the breadth of the character as we've been like shown to see her on the show. Um, yeah. It's like in my mind, I'm just constantly imagining her swearing. Which is, you know, and some of my favorite lines, like the Ava Sorala, uh little like mantras that I like to ponder, such as like, don't put your dick in this. It's fucked enough as it is. Like things like that. Those little, you know, those little gems. So I, I yeah. guess I'm constantly imagining her as like a Cerebic and smart and sharp and able to sort of like navigate things on the fly um, and, you know, plots on plots on plots sort of person. It would have to be, we'd have to see a little bit more humanity uh, in a TV series because there are more, I think there's more subtlety when you have a book that you can draw this out over yeah. like several novels um, versus like just a couple of episodes. So I don't disagree with the portrayal. Like I said, it just in my, in, in, in the head canon of Katie, she's just way more acerbic and constantly swearing. There's that. Um, I was going to say for me, Abbasarala's storyline, I, it was a little neatly liberal, if that makes sense of like, Oh, she, she makes a grand stand and then everyone follows her and brave, Brave lone woman protest. Right. But I did. A... She wouldn't do that. She would just go behind someone's back. <laughs> like she's and, and do it really well, too. Um, yeah. So that said, I, I did appreciate sort of like Ava Sarala's character doing a sort of what I read as a critique of American imperialism, because like you can very like clearly like overlap or overlay. I'm sorry. The, you know, United States is like the United Nations and like this is a very military 
war on terror response like that continued on with like the approach on palace Mm -hmm. and the way that they were sort of describing it and i also think it was like really interesting as a scene when it comes to like gender i thought there's a really neat little gender critique i wrote it down where one of the generals was scolding her saying we have to be rational and objective i think it was the pres the the um secretary general yeah um saying that we have to be rational and objective as she is very logically pointing out this is going to lead to more people being angry at you this will lead to more disaster you're going to turn the belt against us her position is incredibly logical when you think about it for a second in a way it's so fascinating because there's like this sort of to me what i read is like a gender dichotomy of like the way that men generally speaking will do that thing of i'm not i'm not behaving with emotion or anger or things like that i'm thinking very logically someone hits you you hit them back and you're like that's fucking stupid like yeah. you're not thinking of like any of the third yeah. or fourth order consequences of this course of action but then the, again for for Avasarala, and not not saying this is a strictly a woman's gender thing but when she talks about the empathy and compassion she has for others that's what leads her to being rational you know, in a way, like that's what leads her down this like logical path of understanding what the Belters are going to do in response to the suffering, and that's genius. Like that is like that's why I love this show when we do like those little moments of like subverting the typical sci-fi bullshit of like post nine eleven sci-fi and saying like no, there's actually something in this, in this humanity and our connection to each other that drives us and brings us together. That's what's going to lead us forward in the right path. Well, yeah, like the false dichotomy of like emotion and empathy are the antithesis of like rational and objectivity as though like if I had, you know, if I was like born a man and I could just be like, you know, stroking my chin and being like, yes, bombs as though like that was (laughs) rational, like in any way, like, "Mm," but I but I thought about it pensively um, and I didn't let emotions get to me like that's so dumb. Uh, it's like the dumbest concept. So I'm glad that they were like, this isn't mutually, like these aren't antithesis. These aren't mutually exclusive, right? Like to be rational and logical in these situations of like pr- wanting to prevent genocide, empathy is the only rational choice. And like from the secretary general's point, like he said that he wants to hit them back to prove to UN citizens that <laughs> yeah. he's doing something. Like, I'm rational. Entire- I'm hit them back. <laughs> well, I'm being rational because I'm doing the things that people want me to do. That's not rationality either or like logical train of thought. Yeah, it's it's definitely. <laughs> um, excuse me, I'm INTJ. So therefore all the decisions I make are definitely highly rational and objective. Um, and then I think there's this really beautiful moment, I think, where she lets go of Arjun and puts his name up in the list. I love her epitaph for him. It was, I think, in Life After Death, I Will Meet You There something along those lines and i just it's a beautiful sentiment that's very like non-religious and that's also the thing too i wanted to note is in that little memorial i think they did a great job of showing a diversity of names from like different sort of backgrounds all over the world and i just love that when expanse like takes the time to do that and little things about the show that like i know they're not like perfect on it but to bring together multiculturalism is is a cool thing when they do when they can insert that yeah i mean it's unfortunate it didn't go with the alternate cut where she her epitaph is r.i.p sexy arjun because if you remember he got recast uh as being incredibly sexy a couple seasons ago and they just killed him off so but you think about this she lost two arjuns two (laughs) like you got the hot one like the hot professor arjun and then just taken away Uh, i'm just thinking now 
There's that joke that people say, like, there's, like, a closet full of dead Uncle Ben's in, like, Sony. <laughs> <laughs> the Expanse is a small locker that Bobby Draper's been storing dead Arjuns in. Yeah. Well, here comes another one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I made it off the surface. It's, like, a very young, svelte guy, like, maybe, like, early 20s. <laughs> I'm Arjun. I made it. <laughs> nope. Nope. Into storage locker you go, buddy. Um, let's see. So, what happened <laughs> uh, let's see it was really cool i think the the moments with naomi were really nice they were very short but it felt more determined and it felt more like she had a direction with what she was doing uh she's recognized that there's bot that there's a way to kind of like try to attack the bombs which is great she's messing more with the communication to enhance her communicative abilities um it just it's amazing how much better i feel about the character even though she had way less screen time Wow, it's almost like if you don't just agonize like 30 minutes of watching a character cry, you could still get the general point across. Weird. It's fine that I've, wa- I've wasted like 45, like an hour. I can never get back on that one episode. I'm still mad. <laughs> Overall, though, I think the unfortunate thing is like I'm still, it gets episode nine. This is sec- it's like the penultimate episode of the season. And I'm still not sure I like the season. Okay. Um, I think like that's really unfortunate. It's like I can I can give all of the complimentary like compliment sandwiches and like admit that like there's good acting, there's like good writing, but like it's so disjointed that it doesn't quite feel like a fully realized picture or like people were trying to do too much or I don't know I don't quite know what was going on. I mean like the best thing this episode going for it episode had going for it rather. Uh, is that there was no bull in it? Uh, so, uh, there was. Oh, early there was. on, he uh, was he was the one trying to talk Holden into abandoning Naomi. Oh, uh, that's like, right. Oops, I dead. Too- I didn't mean to say it that way. Yeah, I think I just tuned him out because I just fucking can't stand him and his character. And which is what if he's just- back in season six? What if he's back? Oh, I know. I know. I'm the cantankerous Rasinanti pilot. And I guess nothing against the actor, but God, I fucking hate that character. I don't know who wrote that character, but I fucking hate. But yeah, I'm just I, like still kind of like eh, which I guess for me kind of tracks because I feel like Nemesis Games, as far as like if we're going to shift into the novel discussion, Nemesis Games was an important novel for setting up the stakes and like the future endeavors, but it definitely was a major pace change compared to the previous four books. So, like, I will admit that, like, Nemesis Games is probably, like, my least favorite novel out of all of the full-length novels. But it still had a lot of, like, gripping and interesting things that were happening. And I just don't feel like that's happening in this season. Because the most gripping parts of, the, of Nemesis Games, the book, was uh, the things that involved Naomi and mm-hmm. Philip and the Tetsumoka. And I feel like that's just been just squandered. Like, the most interesting part of this whole storyline is just been like, just circle it, just circle in the toilet there. The, the Naomi and the family drama storyline has definitely been the weakest part of this season. I think, I think objectively you could say that like, we're basically done with it at this point. It took up a lot of screen time that didn't really get us anywhere. I think it's also like, and, and this is the problem too, is because this season we really have focused down on three storylines when you you think about in terms of like the overall time spent with each of these storylines especially towards like the latter half of the season the latter half of the season alex and bobby is like next to nothing same with holden the the martian intrigue plot has really been pushed to the back burner and i wonder if this is like something that uh, reminds me of game of thrones 
Game of Thrones got a lot weaker when the political intrigue died down and it became a little bit more character driven. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that's part of the problem that we're experiencing now with the expanses. It's difficult to know like the broad strokes of the political machinations of what's going on in the solar system because we spent so much time with Naomi and Philip and the family drama there. Um, and Amos and Peaches on Earth doing things. We, we were starting to like, th- that's what I liked about this episode too. When you go to go back to one of Pasaki, is how we see that it's the wait staff. Like, Amos and like Eric are right to be like, fuck these guys, we're out. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, like, the, and uh, Clarissa recognizes these are the people that help out. They're like innocent. They didn't abandon anyone. They've been doing their jobs basically. Like, let's bring them on board. It's really weird to see, like, the previous episode, Clarissa being, like, you know, knows the grindstone, like, a hard edge sort of thing. And then, like, she pulls this, like, naive speech. Like, that was a little weird. I'm like, I don't understand what the the point of that was, like, character-wise. I understand the point of it story-wise. But, like, I guess, like, there seems to be a lot of character decisions going on this season to tell a story that could be done a much like I don't know more cohesive way but I think you're right I think like when you try to take the story and put it on a character's shoulders you're going to have like some weird sort of like a dissonance between like how you're representing some of these characters and I think that's what we're had definitely was happening with Naomi I think it's kind of happening a little bit with uh Clarissa because like there's a little bit of that breakdown of like well she was like this and now she's like she's kind of all over the place and, like, not in a way of, like, a hot mess someone on, you know, black market mods would be. And, you know, well, so. I was actually thinking about the books, actually, about that. It's because I think that she – we're taking the time now to humanize Clarissa because we're not really going to have a lot of time to do that in the in the sixth season when she joins the Rasananti crew. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we're, we're spending the time now as with us as audience members to know that she's on the good guy's side definitively – Whereas, like, in the books, like, she earns that tentatively over the course of, like, entire the entire, like, sixth book, really. Yeah. And we don't have time for that, necessarily. Um, like, obviously, like, Amos will vouch for her and Holden will be begrudgingly let her on board. But there aren't going to be as many moments where she can, like, earn her trust, like, through, like, consistent work or things like that. Mm-hmm. that that's, why, that's why I was thinking, like, making sense of, like, her particular character moments. Like, we need to get... Clarissa to a place with the audience where like she's on the good guys team and to make things a little bit easier later on. I understand that. And something like this where like you could just depart from the books in a way that makes more sense without having to sort of like mm, fit this, this line to, to scale. Right. Like I, mm. it just kind of comes off as a little bit weird. Like I'm not like angry about it. I'm not saying it's a huge critique. I just think it's a little odd and I'm, kind of puzzling over it i think what you're saying makes sense um yeah but like from a story like yeah from like a story or political intrigue wise it's like but what but we'll see how that plays out um i thought they would cover more ground in this episode so it was like <laughs> yeah both like literally and figuratively but um considering you know we've got one more episode so i don't <sighs> I don't have a lot of faith in like how this is going to wrap up this particular season. So, so I mean, I think it's clear for us, spoilers ahead probably, that this is going to end with the storming of the ring gate system and setting up the PDCs and the the gun the rail guns on that. I mean, it could not. I'm wondering like the other thing too is like I could see they haven't like even put Medina Station in the in the mix yet in the last few episodes. So I don't yeah. think they're going to get to putting 
Um, like the the guns or anything. I think like they might end with just like here they are coming through the ring for Medina, and then you have Savitaire going through and being like discombobulated or whatever. Yeah, uh, and like that's gonna be it. It's like or or I mean like I could also see like them introducing the Laconians at the end of season six just like straight up. Well, like, yeah, definitely getting hints of like the Laconian Empire being built. It. It's just unfortunate. I feel like it, it dragged on, considering how other seasons seem like they kind of smashed two books together, right? To kind of keep yeah. up that momentum. Um, this one didn't. This one took what is perhaps me, like the slowest, kind of boringest novel and made it into a whole season, whereas the other ones like took like you know, some of like the most like interesting books and like crammed them into like Two, two, two per season, and now we're just like, what? So, I, yeah. Um, well, and thinking about like book five, like the most impactful piece was the asteroids land on Earth, and then everything that happens as a result of that. Yeah. And we really haven't seen up until like this episode, like I said, like what I liked with like the help being trapped there. We haven't seen a lot of the consequences necessarily of the asteroids, I think, as much as we could, or to understand like the complex way. Like, there's a couple lines when Drummer meets. Marco, where he talks about the complex biologicals that Earth can provide, there's very little sense of like how this is impacting the entire solar system. Yeah, in, in a meaningful way, it doesn't have the scale because it's too focused on the characters. Yeah, that's a great phrase. Isn't it? Which is yeah, like you said, like the most the most important part of what this book did. So like what it lacked in perhaps like excitement in this in this novel, it made up for. And like I said, like truly spelling out the stakes and the implications and like the the sort of like chain reaction of that oh yeah we have nothing of it we have like oh chain reaction no did you want to see more philip and marco like do some emotional stuff i'm sorry did you want to see like the scale and like just the devastation it could cause like long term too bad you're gonna see naomi crying for 30 minutes like it was a real lost opportunity it's unfortunate because like there's a lot of people who like are maybe not gigantic hyper nerds about this sort of thing who may like sort of lose interest in this series. Like if I was trying to get someone to get like to watch the series and catch up with me, I feel like I'd be making a lot of apologies for this. I'm like, this season isn't as great. Yeah, I know. I know. You can just kind of like, you know, maybe, maybe skip this episode or five. <laughs> like, I feel like this is the the season that I would be making apologies. Cause like everyone's had that, right? Every fan of a TV series has been like, yeah, it's really good. I mean, season three, season three, you know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. this is good. And so this is definitely like that season and it just it just has felt like it's dragged on no well you're, you're making me think about like the whole naomi plot line and what it takes to get everyone to where they need to be like in terms of the story and things happening james holden would have gone after marco Anaros with the rasananti he didn't need to have naomi there as like a lure how much of an impact did this storyline actually have on getting us to where the pieces need to be you know which it- isn't a critique of like the show like doing those things just like how you get to those places could have been done a little bit differently or like how do you make this stuff meaningful to the audience and and make the stakes real um, as opposed to just like the family drama piece yeah what was your kind of take on drummer oksana crew and like what's that what's going on there um i'm glad they didn't keep drummer in a bottle i'll just say that like I, i i didn't want her to become like an alcoholic it's cool to see her kind of like assert herself in this challenging circumstance at least for me i mean i don't think there's ever been a shortage of trouble asserting herself (laughs) Uh, she's not exactly a meek character i did find it a little interesting and compelling that like oksana is sort of like taking it upon herself to be like well 
how can you say you love us if you're going to put us in danger to fight for like the life of your friend? I'm like, Ooh, that seems not great. Um, I'm trying to like, imagine like myself being like, Hey babe, I know you have this friend that you really like want to see live, but like, don't you love me enough to like stay and just leave someone to their fate? And I get like, their whole thing is like, there's there when you're, I guess like a poly, a polyamorous community, like there are more polycule pirate ship. Yeah. Um, there are more at stake than just like, you know, your loyalty to one person doesn't, this is like, isn't going to work. It's got to be too, like, what about Oksana's loyalty or the crew's loyalty to drummer, you know? Right. And like, I get that she's like, probably like Oksana's probably doing this. Like, this is for all of us to stay safe and to stay alive. And, you know, we can get through it later and figure it out. Um, but that's easy to say when like, it's not your best friend, you know, or someone, um, that you're very close to. So I did think it was actually compelling and pretty like well-written because both made good points, both with Oksana saying like, you know, we have to stay safe and drummer saying, how much shit do I have to eat to get some respect? A great line, by the way, loved it. That I think that storyline does remain pretty strong. Like I, I think I've probably had the least critiques for the drummer, drummer and crew uh storyline so you can say drummer and company drummer and company drummer llc yeah yeah um that's <laughs> it limited love corporation oh. <laughs> uh, so as a side note i've been playing like couch co-op borderlands 3 with my boyfriend ever since this kind of all went down and I'm finally getting through like all of the dlc and there's one guy who's like basically like that he's like yeah it's johnny llc for loving ladies constantly. Like, oh my <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking. Um, did you notice that there was a, the final battle sequence was like one continuous shot? Battle sequence? Yeah. So like the escape um, when they're ambushed and then they go back to the tunnels. Oh. And there's right. apparently like one long continuous shot from Breck Eisner, who is the director that did the first couple episodes, which I also really enjoyed. I just um, noticed that it was one continuous shot and that's pretty great. Apparently they did lots of like squib work as well, like as opposed to sort of digital bullets and set that all up. So that was really exciting. I, I in terms of like the rhythm, I actually I think one of the things I loved about this episode was the way that it feels like we're accelerating towards a season finale. Like like I, I think like, you know, on the whole we can make make some critiques of the season, but it at least feels like we're now in a direction and we're going places and we're gonna wrap this up soon yes so i i appreciate like that sort of the rhythm of like okay we're wrapping everything up amos is going to get off we're going to tie a bow on this storyline but it's going to be epic and exciting and then the rest of the episodes or the rest of the storylines will get that sort of treatment i hope so i hope so but i'm not i'm not as optimistic this season like how they're gonna pull it off because of how they've just sort of been dragging ass that uh, for a lot of stuff, not every storyline, not every episode, but um, there have been like strong points, but it hasn't been consistently strong. So I, I don't know, like maybe there's, you know, maybe like there will be like some amazing stuff going on next episode that will make me change my mind. Um, you know, maybe Naomi won't cry. Highly unlikely. Naomi is definitely going to cry next episode. Like as soon as she gets that water. Oh boy. Anyway, I, <laughs> I don't actually mean to hate on it that much. It's just, it, Again, you could be telling or demonstrating or showing like any other number of things, but instead you've gone with this this cheap this cheap ploy for human is like trying to humanize and like make her vulnerable, and I fucking hate it, and I'm, I'm very insulted by it. <laughs> um, I will also say like Holden, I realized in this episode has done 
so little this season just like next to nothing and i think that's another thing too is like you know not only is there sort of like the challenge of like the stakes mm-hmm. um and i try to balance those like character driven stories is like the w- when you focus so much on a few select character storylines they need to be really strong and mm-hmm. when they're not strong that way is harder even more than just the dynamic of like stakes versus character story yeah i mean i do think it's good that Holden didn't get as much like screen time this season because what do you um, have against skinny ass white boy Stephen Strait. I mean, like it, the Jon Snow of space. I mean, he does eventually kind of like get put in his place with his like whole idealized like idealism. Like I'm going to save the universe. Eventually, like it does catch up to him, and he's like, "Wait, no, this is bigger than me, and I can't just go. Like I can't just be fueled constantly like by." you know, what I believe is, like, moral righteousness at all times. Um, So we get to see, like, other characters have more screen time. Even other white characters, such as Amos, who apparently just has, like, a clean, perfect grooming and fades, like, every single episode. I'm just realizing, does people... This is the future. We have unlimited... We have uh, never-running makeup. We have excellent genetically engineered fades, or, like, the best... (laughs) Uh, auto auto clippers in the world actually this i actually want to see that technology because i completely agree that like there is definitely just some like you know some fifth element shit where you just like put it on your head and it's just magically done <laughs> um, but i want to see it because like i i want it to create a sort of paradox where i, I create it based on fiction because i want that in my life personally do you remember that scene where miller like does his own hair um <laughs> all i could think of was those like when I watched the episode, the commercials of just like the vacuum buzzer combination things, just like the oh, this is like a belter version of that. Yeah, the floby. So I guess this does prove that perhaps the technology does not exist, or at least not felt. <laughs> um, that's, that's an early iteration on it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh great. Well, I forgot where I was going to go with this. I've been totally side railed by. Uh... I will say one of the things that still gets to me after all this time. I've loved how the show has changed the opening sequence in response to the various things that are going on. Mm -hmm. And I will say that whenever I see those asteroids, like in the opening sequence, it really fucking tears my heart out. And I think I I just would love to see more of what's going on there. But, you know, I know it's not in this season, but it it, it breaks my heart as someone who's like invested in the expanse because I think it's a great story about humanity. And that's a great opportunity for us to explore what it means to be human, as I've talked about in previous episodes. I really want to see people struggling to come together. And that's why she's like, I mean, admittedly, the the Clarissa speech is a little bit meh. Mm-hmm. Like, why is she giving this? Yeah. But I do appreciate that she is changing the nature of what tribe means and survival. And like, sort of like putting the lie to Amos's theory that we are stronger without each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked to see that borne out a little bit in terms of like, maybe some of the service keep the service people picked up guns and like fought back and like sacrificed themselves to like kind of like illustrate to the audience like yes you are not weaker by ignoring people you're actually become stronger but that's you know a lot to ask out of one episode yeah i think we all want to see you know ride or die scholarly maids as eric said so that's okay um maybe maybe last episode will be good yeah i think it will be i'm i'm hopeful i'm 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 leaning positively towards it. I'm going to lean in and I hope they'll have some sweet space battles. It'll be exciting and we will be left going, what's going to happen next season? Because there's no way we're going to get through anywhere near as much information as we need to get to. I really do feel like there's, they've got to be planning some kind of mini series after this. It's just like 
given the pace like and where we're going to end up, I just don't understand how you can't not have a miniseries, particularly one that can do like that work they're talking about, like ha- introducing like some of the novellas. Like, can you imagine like the cold open is like based on strange dogs? Th- those things just have so much potential that, you know, to like give it like a good like three, two and a half hour, three hour and a half long movies um, would be great. Yeah. So okay. that's what I'm hopeful for. Okay. <laughs> well then, wait, when does the, uh, the last novel come out? I believe the release date sometime in June. Wow. Okay. Wow. So we'll, we'll know we'll know that at least the end of storyline of the books by then. All right. In the so meantime, Katie, I think we should have started a little bit earlier with our Belter statements and make this a little bit easier on you. So I'm going to start with a um, a level one greeting introduction. So are you ready? Yeah. Tosasa English K. And what do you think that means? Do you speak English? There you go. Do you know English? Yeah. Uh, Mina Sasa Langbelta. I know Belter Creole. Mina Sasa Langbelta means I don't know Belter Creole. Oh. And this is the phrase that would have been super helpful for you in all the previous episodes we recorded. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you know. But fans, we have to say, Miloda Nasasa Langbelta. We're reading off websites. There's great ones out there. Hit us up on Twitter. We'll point you to some. I think we had a, a, a fine episode here, and we'll be back next week with this. Uh, Katie, Minasasa Twitter handle? Could you repeat? <laughs> At Anime Weed Fart 69. Ah, Minasasa Twitter handle. Me <laughs> uh, too. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ape Notorious. Follow the cast at Second Star Cast. And we'll be back next week to talk about. Well, we'll plan on like a larger episode, so we're talking like the whole season as a whole and where we kind of stand, where we think we're going to go from here. Because I'm sure there'll be lots of stuff for us as book nerds. It'll kind of be like, what could happen next on season six? Hopefully, I'll uh, remember more stuff. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My brain. You gotta look at the Expanse wiki. No, it's all good. It's all good. We'll I see you all next week. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, dang. Cheers.